wouldn't it be good if we just prayed for Zimbabwe at this time and stand with our neighbors and for that wonderful nation and that beautiful people for God's will to be done in that nation. So if you'll just agree with me in another prayer, I think that'll be great. Father, we, we lift up Zimbabwe to you. And Father, we pray that prayer that we so often pray, let your will be done and let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Lord, that the plans of man will not win the day, but that your plans will win the day, Father. We pray for a restoration. We pray for a working of your spirit in that nation, for, for, for progress, for forward movement into the plans and the callings that you have for that beautiful nation, Father. And we trust Zimbabwe into your hands. And we pray for, continue to pray for the people of Zimbabwe, and we ask, Holy Spirit, let, your, let the Father's will be done. Let us hear the good news of the restoration of a people and of the of, of restoration of a nation. And we trust you for that, Father. And we pray that there be wisdom. We pray for good leadership. People that would want justice and righteousness to prevail. People that will step in to serve the people of the nation, Father. And we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to continue on this morning. Our series is Faith to Flourish, and we've been talking through Thessalonians, and I must say, the more I read and just consider the issues in Thessalonians, I'm so grateful for this uh, epistle that Paul wrote, and many of you know the story by now, the, 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 the book of Thessalonians is written to this new community of faith that Paul and Silas came and preached there for about three weeks, and, and this new community of faith arose, and people turned away from idolatry and from their culture, and just the way they were doing things things and, and, and turning to Christ, and, but then Paul and Silas had to leave them because of persecution that broke out, and, um, and then Paul was very concerned, is this community still carrying on, is, this, is the faith in Thessalonians still thriving, or has it been completely squashed and everybody's run away and given up on their faith and turned back to their former life? And uh, he was starting to get this news and receive these messages about how well the Thessalonian Christians were doing and how they were flourishing in their faith and how God was moving among them both as, and we use the language of both as this, the gathered church, as we are here today. This is the gathering of the Hatfield Christian Church. We are here together today and uh, can have this wonderful opportunity to, to celebrate and worship together, but we also consist of the scattered church where each of us, when we leave here, the gathering today goes off and be the church of the Lord Jesus in whatever context we find ourselves. And Paul writes in both of these contexts, he writes and he speaks about how when the gathered church needs to flourish in their faith, but also how the scattered church, the, the, the every person that goes and be the church of the Lord Jesus in their workplace, in their family, in their, in their, in their, in their, in their neighborhood or wherever they find themselves, how we all need to be the, 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 the carriers of the kingdom of the Lord in those spaces. And he writes to encourage these people. But he uses a particular approach to them. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. His, his attitude towards the believers. And he, and, he's, and, he, and he sort of draws their attention to the way he does things. And the reason Paul does that is because he's, he's actually trying to say to them, look at how I discipled you. Look at how I came and Silas came and how we shared the faith with you. Look at the processes we used and the, the, our attitude towards you and, and what was important when we were with you. And if you notice the way we did it, then you must copy this way continually. 
copy the way we did it, the approach, the, the disposition we had towards you, that you must adopt that and, and keep on in that. Both when you're together as the church, how you minister to one another, how you disciple and care for one another, but also when you are out there in, the, in, your, in, your, in your workplace and where you are the missionaries and the messengers that go out and share this gospel, copy the way we've done it. And particularly today as we read on from chapter 2 from verse 17 on, Paul sort of shines the spotlight on himself a little bit again, and he, and he shares his heart with the people, and he says, look at how I did it, and look at the way I operated amongst you. Now, I would like to read for you the, the first couple of verses, in a, or the last couple of verses, actually, in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17 to 20. And as I read these verses, try, see if you can pick up Paul's attitude how he presents himself. How does he approach the Thessalonian believers? Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what God what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns, it is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. What is Paul's attitude when he writes these? What is he focusing on in terms of how he approached the Thessalonian believers, which is similar to how he would have approached any group of people that he was sharing the gospel with? Do you pick up with me that when you read that portion of Scripture, he uses relational language? He talks about the value of relationships. He puts a strong emphasis on saying to the people, when I came and ministered to you and brought the gospel to you, I did it through relationship. I built relationships with you. Now, this is Paul the Apostle. He was an impressive guy in terms of how many miracles did we see Paul do? How many great things happen? It may have been that Paul could have written this portion of Scripture but instead of drawing the attention to the relational experience he had with the Thessalonians, he could have drawn attention to the supernatural. He could have you know, spoken about the miracles they've seen or some of the other miracles that he's done. Perhaps he could have spoken to them about how, you know, remember when he, they, they took the aprons off his body and the, and the handkerchiefs from his pockets, if he had pockets, I don't know, but the handkerchiefs from him and they would lay those handkerchiefs on the sick and the sick would, sick would get healed. That could have been a basis for his approach to say, look, I am the man of God and, and the power of God, the anointing of God is upon me. And, uh, you know, perhaps he could have even written a little booklet and sent to them or presented to seminars about how to use handkerchiefs to heal people. That would have been a wonderful thing to do. That, that, that could have been a basis for him saying, this is the, this is the labor that I'm doing among you. Is I, I bring the supernatural. Perhaps he could have done a seminar about how to let a snake bite you without it killing you. How to shake off a snake. Or perhaps he could have done a, a seminar about how to curse the opposition so that they become blind, like what happened in Athens. These are all wonderful things that he could have spoken about to, to talk about how he ministered among them and what is the basis and the foundation for, them, for the church that they built in this community. But he doesn't do that. He talks about friendship, relationship. He talks about the value of how he came in among them. Last week we spoke about it, how he didn't come 
expecting from them to pay for him, for instance, to look after him, to treat him with some, you know, as the dignitary that he may be in the church. But he came in in gentleness. And here again, he, he takes this a bit further and he describes to them his relational approach to them. And, and just a little side issue, I love the fact that, he, that so often in Paul's writings, he writes, dear brothers and sisters. Not just one gender that he favors, but everybody, the whole community. He says, dear brothers and sisters, everybody is of value. And, and he starts talking about his heart towards them. And as Paul writes this and he starts talking to them about how he, what were the things that he was doing among them, he speaks about four different things that he showed them relationally, that defined his relationship with them. And the first one is concern, concern. He showed concern for the city of Thessalonica and he showed concern for these new young believers and, and it was his concern for them that ultimately caused them to turn away from their old life and, and it was enabled him to give them the message of the kingdom. He uses language like we just read, he said, my intense longing to see you again. Intense longing to see you again. The Thessalonians wasn't just a group of people that he visited and that you know, he could put on his Facebook page, hey, look at what God did, awesome, look at the miracles, yeah, wonderful, and off he went to the next group. They remained in his heart. There was an intense longing to see them. It speaks of a relational investment he had. It's so great to have Dr. Graham with us. And am I correct in seeing Cheryl over there also? What a wonderful surprise. I didn't know you were gonna be here. So great to see you, friends of ours, long-standing that served in this body. Yeah, come on, give them a round of applause. You know, and isn't that what our life gives us so much meaning, is relationships that we have. And Paul says, I intensely miss you. I wish I could be with you. I am concerned for you. Kingdom truth is first of all displayed in our relationships, in the way we live with other people. That's where the impact is often the most clearly seen. It must take us to a place where we become more concerned for other people. Even people that are difficult to be concerned about. Because let's not just think of here, but think of Paul saying to you, I'm showing you concern. Basically what he was saying to the Thessalonians is look at the concern I showed you, how relationally invested I am with you. Now you must do that with one another. And then when you go into your Workplace into your community, you must show that concern for the people out there. Concern. Relational investment. Paul wasn't building a ministry. He wasn't adding a notch to his belt, you know, adding to his apostolic profile, another church planted. He was invested in people. He understood that to build a church, you must build people. You must invest in people. And the only way you can in, and do that is to give yourself to people, to open your heart to people. This is the thing. Kingdom truth is conveyed on relationships. We receive kingdom truth when it comes to us through relationships. So much of it. So much of it, it comes in some bodily form that we, is it conveyed to us through somebody else and a relationship that we have. That's why the word discipleship is so important in the scripture. The, the, the Bible puts its hope 
on the transformation of mankind on this idea of discipleship. And discipleship is about me sharing my life with somebody else and opening and being concerned for somebody else and giving what I have received and sharing it with somebody else. You cannot be a kingdom messenger without really giving your heart to somebody and picking up the concerns of, of somebody else. And the concerns of somebody else doesn't, it's not about, that's when you step over about how things affect you and you start thinking about things, how it affects others. Your concern is not just based on, okay, so what does it do to me? Your concern is what does it do for somebody else? How does, how can I help them through something? How can I journey with people through the difficulties they go through? Paul shows concern. The second thing he says is not only am I concerned for you and I've shown you concern, but I've also been prepared to pay the price and to pay the cost. Concern and then cost. Real relationships have a cost to them. There's no way around it. They cost. Paul writes this in chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, when we were missing you so much and we were so concerned for you, we couldn't stand it anymore. We decided to stay alone in Athens and we sent Timothy to visit you. Now here Paul takes a personal cost for the sake of the, Thess the, Th the Thessalonians. Because remember, who was Timothy in Paul's life? Timothy in Paul's life was his, the person that brought him the most comfort. Was the person that traveled with Paul often looking after him, making sure that he was taken care of. You know, Paul was getting on in age and, and, and Timothy would be there to make sure that everything Paul needs, he gets... Timothy would help him, support him, just be a friend to him. Just, you know, when, the tough, when it's tough and the whole crowd is shouting at you and throwing stuff at you and perhaps after you've been beaten up, Timothy would be the guy that would come and sit with you, rub your wounds, look after you. But Paul says, I was so concerned for you that I sent you Timothy, my comforter, I have sent to go and comfort you, to go and be with you. And also this is a cost for Timothy because now Timothy's stepping into a situation on his own, where perhaps, you know, it could become very troublesome for him. But Paul establishes this with him. He says, real relationships cost. In your own community, if you want to carry on, real relationships cost. If you want to be an influence in your city, real relationships cost. If you want to continue to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus and, and be the messengers of the kingdom of God, you can't do that by remote. You can't do it through letter bombs and emails you can't do it through television programs merely. You can, it takes a personal cost in investing relationally with somebody else. And being prepared to offer up something from yourself. And I don't think we can escape that reality. We can't, we can't get away from that. Relationships cost. The third thing he mentions is consolation. The consolation he receives in verse 6 to 8 of chapter 3, he says, But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers. And uh, where's verse 8 now? Okay, I've now lost my verse 8. Oh, and sisters, because you have remembered, remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. 
Here Paul speaks about the joy, the, the, the consolation he receives when he hears it goes well with the, the Thessalonian Christians. But the reason he can receive the consolation is because he was prepared to go through the, with them through the difficult times. He is finding great joy in the fruit after having gone through the difficult times with them. And it, it gives me this picture in my mind that if you, if you want to be in a place relationally that is a kingdom space, you have to be prepared to ride the roller coaster with people. Not in a way that is inappropriate or outside of God's good boundaries and, 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 and how, you know, there's, there's much there that we have to understand. But you also cannot escape the fact that if you want to bring the gospel to somebody, you have to first of all be open to understand the problems and journey with them and take the, the low dips. Because when you journey the low dips with people and when you are able to be there with them, even in the times when it doesn't make sense, when it comes out, you can also experience the high and the joy. But if you're not prepared to go through the, the difficult times, you will not experience the highs. And particularly when you're engaging with people new, if you are in that place where you are sharing your faith with somebody and they knew, they, they're turning to Christ and it's young, that man, that roller coaster ride can be, have you experienced that? It can be quite pronounced. But as, as the time goes on and as they, they sort of mature in their faith and learn biblical principles, perhaps the roller coaster becomes a little bit more, you know, doable. But for a while there, it can be quite harem scarum. And that's the reality. Paul says, I'm feeling great joy because of your fruit, but I was there and I feel the pains and the struggles also. And I think for us as Christians, we cannot position ourselves as people that are, that are only comfortable to be with people when it's really going well. And that are quick to be there when the, you know, when the, when the testimony is told and, and when the, the story, then we're all there, yes, yes, yes. But where were we when the, you know, there was no testimony yet? Because it's in those times. And I think sometimes, particularly for Christians, this seems to be a challenge. Because you know, sometimes you, you, you get to know somebody and you're journeying with somebody. And you've prayed every prayer that you know how to pray. You've given them every scripture that you know. You've given them all the little cute sayings of just hang in there with a cat poster. You've, you've done everything you can. But the situation's not changing. And it's amazing to see how Christians at sometimes like that want to almost withdraw from somebody. Because it's like we, we, we're feeling threatened almost that perhaps our faith is, is now not working. And we take it personally or we take it into a place of, and we start, and then we just, we just disconnect ourselves from people and we say, no, no, it's okay. And we don't say anything, we just back off slightly because it's hard for us. You know how many times I've had to sit with people and I have no words. I don't know what to say. I have no inkling. I have no idea. I just pray. I say, Lord, just... And sometimes all I can do is just be there. Just be with the person. And that's what... That's okay. Because I know. I may not understand how. I, don't, I may not understand the when and the, the, the everything. But I know in every situation, God is for that person and he's busy. And that ultimately the victory has been purchased. And if I'm going through, and sometimes you sit with people and it really messes with your own mind and it questions things, but 
That's those times where we stay. Because then when the Holy Spirit brings it out and God completes His work, we can celebrate and say, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. That's the joy of the fruit of the ministry of the gospel. That we are in those places where we hold with one another. The last one that he mentions is commitment. Commitment. He speaks about how committed he is to these believers. In verse 9 he says, How we thank God for you. Because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again so that we can fill the gaps in your faith. Paul says, I'm invested with you. I'm with you for the long haul. I'm committed to you. Even when I'm not with you, I'm praying for you. I'm still connected to you. I'm still there in my, in my heart. Now, think about this. Paul was traveling all over Asia Minor, planting churches. He was racking up a number of people quickly. I mean, the, the amount of people that he was now starting to care for was becoming a lot. It was numbers of people. I'm sure he could have been tempted at some point, particularly when he hears the reports of somebody that he loves that has been, that has been beaten up and imprisoned and perhaps even killed. And I'm sure at times he felt like, I can't do this anymore. I, I just, can I not just go in, you know, stay in a nice hotel, just you know, go to the meeting, arrive at the meeting, just preach the word, get whisked away by somebody, put in a car, driven to the hotel, and, and just do the work. I can't handle this anymore of, of the people. And perhaps, you know, sitting with somebody and they're not getting the gospel message and you have to wrestle it through and, and the disappointment of somebody that believes in Jesus but then turns away from Jesus. And Paul writes about this in his letters. He says about how they turned against me. He felt it because that was his ministry model. His ministry model was, I'm giving you what I have received. I'm breaking the bread that Jesus broke with me. That was his ministry model. He wasn't some high-flying guy, and he had actually had a problem with these guys that were acting like that. You know, he didn't send them his list before the time, I only drink water that comes from the mountains in Fiji. I only eat blue Smarties. The temperature in the room must be 24.3 degrees. You know, this is the car, this is the hotel that I'll stay in. He didn't do any of that. Here he comes, Paul. And he says, I want to be with you. I, I want you to see Christ in me. I want you to know Christ in me. And that's the best I can give you, I can share with you. He did preach to the crowds. He did go to places and didn't connect with people individually. But this was his model. This was his heart of ministry. His commitment that he had to people. If I think of my own life and I think of the, the sweetest fruit of ministry, they've always come through relationships. They've always been that journey that you've walked with somebody. Yesterday, Natasha and I were privileged to go to a wedding and I performed a, a wedding for a young couple that we got to know three or four years ago. And they were just nice young couple, not particularly living what we would call a biblical lifestyle. Not, you know, Drinking a little bit much, you know, stuff like that. I don't want to explain too much, but you know, not sort of. But we just, we just became their friends and just loved them 
eventually the guy started working with us. And I had to have a conversation with him at a stage and talking about, you know, what is a biblical lifestyle in terms of, you know, marriage and, you know, living together and how is that showing the, the, the lifestyle? Is that your biblical testimony? And, and they made some decisions based on that. And, and so they wanted to get married a long time ago but felt they needed to sort out certain things in their lives and just, you know, do things right. So eventually yesterday we were able to now do this wedding and the whole family was there. And it was quite amazing. Because you journey with somebody and you're just a friend. You're just friendly to them. You just care for them. You just do what you can. And as we were sitting at this reception, members of their family, his dad came, his sister came, friend came and just started saying, thank you so much for how you've changed his life. And he came and he said, I just want to thank you for what you've done. And you don't, you don't see that. You don't know. You don't keep score. You're just journeying with somebody. You're just caring, investing yourself in somebody. And I go, wow, what a privilege. What an honor. Because if Jesus is real in me, then I've got to be able to share Jesus. It must just happen. It must just be. But that's what Paul focused on. That's what his ministry was based on and built on. And I think for us as a church, it's, it's been so amazing to see the relationships within this church. I had the, the privilege this week of, with two groups of the congregational leaders, shepherds and some small group leaders, our life group leaders, to be in, in just sitting in rooms with them and just talking about where the church is going and some of the things we, we're trying to do and, and, and just to feel that relational connection with people, just to feel their relationships with one another. Many of them have never had a conversation with me, so I, it was so great for me to just connect with people and just to speak and hear their stories and see their hearts. And I leave a time like that and I go, man, this church has a bright future ahead of it. Not because of our great programs, mostly, or our wonderful ideas of how strong we are or how much money we have or you know, all of that, but because of the hearts of people that are open, that are saying, I want to give you what I have received. I want to find what, and may we become excellent even more at sharing our lives with one another, being able to go through those times and, and the challenges of it, because it's relationships that becomes those vehicles of the kingdom. Not, and I'm not talking about fluffy relationships, easy relationships. Where everything is always nice, hearts and kisses, woohoo, XOXO, you know, memes and little pictures of love and everything. I'm talking about relationships that sometimes have a few lightning bolts pictures that you want to send and, you know, a few other pictures that you want to send one another because sometimes it's, you know, you're dealing with kingdom stuff and sometimes you have to figure out truth and sometimes people have opposing views and you've got to try and find and sometimes, you know, I bump up against you and, and I don't do it the way I should do and, and you perhaps experience this as something that I didn't really intend it to be. And, you know, those are relationships. But in the midst of that, the kingdom of God happens when we just stay committed. Stay committed. Stay committed to one another. And I want to thank the people in this church. There, there's so many wonderful people that have been journeying with this church through its ups and downs for so many years. And that commitment. And I know your commitment is to the kingdom of God. And, and within that, it's towards the people that we care for. It's the relationships that we have, that we treasure, that we value so much. 
You see, if, if we are to be a light on a hill, what the people look at when they look at us, a lot of it is our relational capacity, capability. That's what they see. They see us together. And they go, hmm. Or they go, hmm. And, and, and we've got to understand that and invest in those things. I want to show you a little video clip. It's a person that you may know. She's a young, very young actress doing quite well in Hollywood scene. And she talks about just her life as she's trying to make a difference and share just her faith. And I want you to listen. I mean, it's very innocent and cute, but through all of this, just in her small life, the relational dynamics that comes in. If the guys have the video ready, you can play it. My very first movie, it was called um, British Terabithia, and I got to fly to New Zealand and do it for three months. And that was a film that we weren't thinking much about that this was going to go or, you know, make it huge. And, you know, it, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, a, lot of, a lot of kids loved it, and, you know, it felt very cool in my heart to know that I did something nice. Mom always told me, like, when I was done with that movie, you have to stay humble, Bailey. And she continues to say that every day. Bailey, humble, Bailey, humble. It's not about me. It is about God. And God chose for me to do this, and he can choose for me to stop right now. And, um, you know, I, I have to be okay with that. I, I, I'd be disappointed. I, yeah, I would be very disappointed, but I would know that it was for a reason, and God, God wants to protect me, you know, because he knows what's best. And, um... I just have to continue to be humble and um, follow God. I don't get nervous. I, when I was a little girl, you know, when I had to do crying scene, I thought of my dog Scampy, who we had to put down like three years ago, and he was probably the best dog. You know, he would run around with hoagies in his mouth, chasing it. He would eat 20 cupcakes, chocolate cupcakes, never get sick, and he was just the one that I really thought of and missed. And you know, it's it's really really hard, but it's. Um, I don't get nervous much, you know. I, I always just say to God, let your words come through me and let me just get all my nerves away and just let me feel you inside of me. I worked on a film um, in New Mexico and the director was very, you know, very, very strong. And, you know, it was very, it was a really challenging, challenging, challenging um, thing that I needed God. I would go home at night and, you know, I would cry and say, why did this have to happen today? I was getting scenes that were written for me and scenes that I was excited about, you know, taken away from me from another little kid. And, you know, I had, I, I had some bit of, you know, um, evil in me that I just, I didn't know what to do. And I was kind of upset that the girl did that. And God showed me, you know, he helped me through that. And he helped me know that that little girl didn't know what she was doing. It was her first film. And now, you know, we're best friends, and um, I love her now, and it, it just, it's really amazing of what God showed me, um, that you have to have the nicest in your heart. <laughs> Even though you have, you know, an earth father, he is your father that you can look up to, and, you know, you can say to him, God, I'm not feeling too well today. And I wish that, you know, even if it's just, I wish I can go to my friend's house today. Or if it's just, you know, little things like, I, I feel homesick here, you know, somewhere else. Or I need you, Lord. I need, I need to feel happiness in my heart. 
you have God up there, you have Heavenly Father who's looking down at you and is answering your prayers, and that if you give yourself to God and you say, I'm ready to commit myself to you, that you will have no worries, you will have struggles in life, but you will know that God is watching you. And that the most important thing is you have to have hope, you have to have faith, you have to you have to commit that what you're doing and you know, it's a big thing, but you know, it's it's nice for God. He looks down and he goes, I'm very, very happy with what you just did. My goals are just to do nice films, you know, nice, nice films and to help people who are feeling scared and I'm trying to relate to them and tell them what I am and how I am taught and that I don't want it to be about me, I want it to be about um, God and you know that is the most important thing and I just wanted everyone to know that I am Bailey and I'm, I'm definitely second and God is first and I, I love everyone, I love God very, very much and I'm, I'm a Christian and that's, that's what I believe and I believe in God. It is about how the Spirit of the Lord lives within us. And as He shapes us and changes us, and as we experience that in community, from there we can share it with others. Just our friendship, our care, our commitment. And it's, sometimes it's wonderful to think that somebody's life can be changed if we just pray and a miracle happens and God heals them and everything changes. And that's great when that happens. But you know, most of the time, it's just being open to people. Just living a life of openness and friendliness. and Just caring, showing people care. Even when they're opposite of you, against you. And that's particularly the context where Paul was writing to the Thessalonians. He was talking about how they should show care to people that were persecuting them, standing against them. How to extend friendship. If you carry on reading, and I'm just going to mention these four things quickly and then I'm finished. Paul says to them, you really need friendship in the kingdom. From his personal life, he experienced that. He said, that's how you need to give. Because he says, Satan is real. Remember, he said, I wanted to be with you, but Satan resists. Satan will resist your relationships. You experience it every day. It's one of the tar- areas that he targets the most, is how can he destroy our relationships? Because if he destroys our relationships, he hampers the work of the kingdom significantly. Persecution is real. Sometimes relationships will put you in difficult places. It'll put you in places where you don't know what to do, where you feel the pain, you feel the disappointment, you feel all the bad stuff. Weakness is real. Sometimes relationships exposes your own weaknesses. It exposes your lack, your problems. But none of those things should keep us away from real relationships. Because Paul ends with these words, and I want to read you from verse 11 to 13, where he says, through relationships, faith relationships, flourishing Israel. Listen to these words. May God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your hearts strong blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with his holy people. Amen. It's through our relationships that the miracles of the kingdom of God comes. 
our good relationships, our easy relationships, and our difficult relationships. Those times when we struggle with something, those are amazing kingdom opportunities. And those, that's the position Paul had. He said, I am with you, I'm invested with you in the good and the bad. And that's what a community of faith has to offer. And even as we as a church have gone, are going through some changing times and that brings challenges, and will go again through some challenging times, may we have the maturity in our faith that the love for one another, the respect, the, the value we have for one another, we will not give that up cheaply. We will not just throw that away, but that we will cherish that so that God's kingdom can come hearts, homes, and beyond. I wonder if you can stand with me this morning. As I speak these words, I'm very aware that we all have stories to tell about how relationships failed us. We all have challenges. We all have times where we were deeply disappointed, and particularly even within the church and within Christian community, we have faced difficult times. We all have stories to tell. We all perhaps have stories to tell about how we failed others. We all have had those experiences where we just want to hide away and withdraw and just be left alone. But that's where the Spirit of God comes, and He does something more in our lives. Not only does he bring healing and restoration to us and our relational capacity and capabilities and our relational understanding and our, our relational sharing, not only does he do that with us, but he do, does that through us with others. And this nation, let's not even talk about this, this city of ours needs God's people to be the scattered church that can journey the journey of friendship with people that can do what Paul did. And I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray that God would strengthen you by His Holy Spirit in your innermost being. That your relationships can flourish and that through that, faith can flourish. So can I ask you just to open your hearts to the Lord this morning. If we had time, it would be very significant to hear everybody's stories. But God knows your story. God knows your experiences. He knows the disappointments. He knows the hopes. Can we give it to Him this morning and say, Lord, my relationships are yours. Holy Spirit, I thank you for these beautiful people. Each person, Lord, that have first of all said, my relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then also understand, love your neighbor as yourself. And I pray for us as a community, Father. I pray for a deepening of our relationships, of kingdom among us, Lord. That when it's good, we can celebrate, we can enjoy, we can strengthen. When it's tough, we can be there with one another. That our covenantal understanding will be secure. So that, Lord, there would be a strength in us that we can share with the world around us. That we can be friends of those that need it so desperately. That we can show concern, compassion. 
that we can care, that we can pay the cost, that we can carry the commitment, Lord, that is required. And I pray that for every person. Lord, right now even, if there are people here that has a, just a heaviness in their hearts, I pray for a healing in Jesus' name. Just a healing in all of our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let the enemy not steal from us, in Jesus' name. As I close the service, if you feel just a need that the Spirit of God is ministering to you, I'm going to invite you to come to the front and let us pray with you. If there's a relationship that you want to give to the Lord or just your own heart, just come and just let's pray with you. Remember, we're baptizing as of today again, so if you want to be baptized, you go out to the function hall and they'll meet you there. We love you so much. Such a privilege to know you and to be part of this great community. And may you in this week experience just the gentleness of God in your life and the fruitfulness of giving that gentleness to somebody else. Bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen.